there. Welcome to Landon Wall and Witty on the road to Qatar. I'm Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining us. We've got reaction from Landon Donovan, Chris Whittingham, and me to the U.S. men's national team's 5-1 win over Panama on World Cup qualifying match day 13. Landon's in San Diego. Witty and I are in Orlando, Florida, where I'm writing for my Substack newsletter, which you should sign up for free or paid at grantwall.com. Guys, it's good to be with you. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I think we're on the last step on the road to Qatar. We, we've just passed the last exit, and we're just about there. That laugh from Landon reminded me of Jesse Marsh's laugh after he got off that comment on the media over in, in England uh, about making fun of his accent. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like two beats too long, that laugh from Jesse Marsh. It was like, yeah, you see what, you, you see what I just did? Yeah, a lot of relief, a lot of relief in both of our laughs there. Yes, I mean, Christian Pulisic, hat trick, uh, U.S. four goals in the first half. Two penalties. The U.S. had not drawn a penalty in this entire tournament <laughs> leading into this game. Uh, first goal by a U.S. center forward, Jesus Ferreira, since Ricardo Pepe had two in Austin in October. There's a lot of stuff that happened tonight that we haven't been seeing much. Landon, what were your thoughts? Um, you remember early in these podcasts, we talked about piling on pressure. And the benefit of that is tonight showed up in penalties. So you just pile on pressure and and when you say pressure that also is pressure on the referee and referees are human when there's i don't know what the attendance is or the capacity is in orlando but when you when you put pressure on the referee in front of that many american fans they're human and they're going to say penalty and and you know were they the most clear cut obvious penalties ever maybe not but you put pressure on and and good things happen so i was really impressed with the way they the way we started the game um, how aggressive we were, and then you just put on you put them under pressure, and, and and they crack, and the game was over within the first thirty minutes. Yeah, I thought after the first goal went in that the that wave of pressure, and and it's funny like that that was the first thing you brought up because it was the first thing I thought of when I was here at the game and in the in the supporter section was oh this is the wave of pressure that Landon is talking about. I thought the fullbacks got into very good positions. It wasn't always great playing out from the back, but once Shaq Moore got into attacking positions to put crosses in, I thought he was really good getting forward in those positions. I thought Luca De La Torre did tremendous work connecting play in tight spaces. You can see the technical quality that he has. And I, I thought I thought both of them were fairly stone cold penalties. And I know that like when I flipped on, it's one of those things where I have a feeling at the stadium, but then you turn on social media, it's like a lot of people thought that there was that there was some doubt in those penalties. I thought that they were fairly clear in the moment. Anibal Godoy was doing a lot of shoving and a lot of uh, physical contact before the corners came in, during the corner, and after the corner. Um, so I, I thought they were fairly clear. And I thought the U.S. just put together a twenty minutes of we're going to end this game with our pressure and our waves of attack and getting forward and creating chances. In the second half, the goal that Christian scored is absolutely sublime. And in the end, you end up with a, with a 5-1 victory. Christian Pulisic, hat trick, first in a U.S. uniform. How much did he need that, given that this has been an up-and-down qualifying campaign for him? I think, Grant, he... I think he really felt the pain. From what I saw visually in 2018, that game in Trinidad, I feel like he felt the pain more than any U.S. player. 
Um, I don't know why, but it just looked like he was suffering more than everyone else on the field that day. And I think he felt like he missed an opportunity in Mexico to, to get a, an historic win for the U.S. And you could see even in his feistiness after scoring the first two goals in the first half and getting the yell and the way he's talking to the ref and getting into it with the Panamanian players, like you can tell that he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder. And when he plays that way, he is like he's nasty and he's really good. And it was it was fun to watch tonight. Um, I don't know if he'll always have that, but that was really fun to watch. It was you know he had that little bit of edge that Geo has at times, and you need that in these games. And and it feels like they the U.S. team grew up a lot during this process. And you know maybe we'll get into that a little bit, but I think Greg's done a really good job helping this team just grow up. Think about the first qualifier guys versus today, and the like professionalism and just how how good we were in all all facets of the game to to get over the line almost and that edge kind of showed itself towards the end of that first half and that incident with Michael Murillo the the right back for Panama where he's having a go getting his face has to be separated and like those are moments like all right you're up for it and particularly when you're wearing the armband it's not exactly what the captain you know, like would normally, normally he's the, normally the captain is a diffuser in those situations. But I think he was kind of setting the tone of if Panama wants to be physical. We're not going to let them. One of the things that I thought was interesting in the actual playing performance was that I thought that in the moments where he was able to really thrive the most, he's getting off the ball quickly because he's recognizing runs that are going off both of his shoulders. He'll then cut inside and create other moments. I just thought he played a normal game as opposed to, I think too often he tries to be the U.S.'s hero. And I think he just played his game today in the way that he plays for Chelsea. And that's really all I've been hoping for for Christian for a while is don't put too much pressure on yourself to do something beyond what you normally do because what you normally do is so great. And so I think we saw today just a very kind of normal performance where he was slipping passes through when they were on. He was combining with teammates when it was there. He wasn't really inviting as much contact, although Garasquia, the, the midfielder, took a decent chunk out of him that probably should have gotten uh, a yellow card. But I just thought it was a fairly normal performance from Christian Pulisic, and that's kind of what I've been hoping for from him for a while. I want to ask you about this, Landon, because this idea of Christian trusting his teammates more tonight, I, I do agree with that. I, I wrote that after the game, that it's part of not trying to be that hero and, and trusting your teammates, and yet he still had a hat trick, right? And so when you're a player and you know that you're the best player on your team or one of the, the very best players, is that a process sometimes to get to trust your teammates more so that you don't try and do too much? I don't want to speak for him, um, but it certainly seems that way at times that he, he just cares so much. And I love that about Christian. He cares. And he's he's really devoted and dedicated to this. It's his life. I mean, he doesn't, you know, there's not, there's not a whole lot else that he is, you know, from my outsider perspective, so passionate about. He just really cares. And sometimes that comes across as trying too hard. And I would much rather have that than not caring enough. So I loved, I just, I, I loved his demeanor tonight. I loved his attitude. Was it like the traditional captain-like demeanor on the field? No, but who cares? I mean, the guy 
the guy just cares and he wants to win and he wants to go to a world cup. I mean, he missed out last time. He was the one guy on this roster who really missed out. And I, it was just fun to watch him play tonight. I was, I was really excited for him. And the other thing too, that I think is worth noting from, I mean, two of the three goals were penalties and the U S employed the tactic that Chelsea did at the club world cup where they had someone grab the ball, stand over the spot, take all the shit housing from the opposing team, and then hand the ball off to the guy. I'm, I'm surprised that Panama didn't become wise to this for the second penalty because they did the exact same thing to Ferreira. It's like, you're really going to fall for this again? It's really funny. I actually called it the first time in the press yeah. box. I said, Poliska's going to walk in and take this. Yes. Ferreira is not going to take this. Chelsea is the epicenter. They're the ones who are making this spread throughout the world. And I kind of love it because I really do hate all the nonsense that happens in the moments before a penalty is taken. And it seems to get worse and worse. And I think referees don't do enough about it. And so this is a Great. pretty cool response. Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, I was at I was home watching with um, my associate head coach Nate Miller and some some friends here, and when Ferreira grabbed the ball, I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." It's <laughs> <laughs> like, "Wow, Christian Christian's letting or or did Greg like say that before the game?" That's very interesting. Uh, but then, yeah, it was exactly what you said, Granny. It was it was just a little distraction to let Christian gather himself, and uh, both penalties were really well taken and. You could say, yeah, they're penalties that were part of the hat trick, but there's no guarantee. I mean, <laughs> penalties are not guaranteed, especially in a pressure moment like that. So I thought he handled it really well. I also wanted to ask you, Landon, so in the press conference that we just saw, Chris and I here, Paul Ariola was in it, scored a nice goal tonight, and he was asked about portions of the fan base not necessarily buying into him and did he feel like he showed something tonight? And Ariola got this giant grin on his face when that question came. And it was just kind of an awesome moment because this is a guy who works as hard or harder than anyone else. And a lot of times gets static for not being much of a finisher. That was a really nice goal tonight. And it was something that the U.S. needed and it rewarded Greg Berhalter's faith in starting Paul Ariola. And, and I thought Ariola said something interesting, too. He's like, I know how valuable I am to this team. So he doesn't really care what some of these fans think, I think. You know, guys, there's, you know, in baseball, I think they have a wins against replacement. And in basketball, they have, I don't know what the exact term is, but there are guys who you play that just help you win. And they statistically they're an anomaly uh, an anomaly um all the analytics people can't figure out what they are who they are because it makes no sense he just helps you win and yeah he got on the scoreboard tonight but paul Ariola is the type of guy who just helps you win soccer games there's that's all there is to it and uh, look at dallas look at fc dallas now you know dc trade him to dallas and Dallas are pretty similar team to what they were last year, and they're just better because Paul Ariel is on the field. And you can't it, – it's hard to quantify. It doesn't show up in any, you know, post-match stats. He just helps you win. And and people can talk shit all they want, but the guy helps you win. That's it. And, and that's one of those things where I think fans would probably want a more – quote, like quality player in that position. I think when when people look at Paul Ariola in that on that right wing, it's, you know, it, it, it come a big moment. Is he going to have that clinical finishing ability? Is he going to put that perfect ball into the penalty area or create a lovely one too? And I, that's just not his game, but 
Landon, from from a coach's, we've talked about this before, but from a coach's point of view, like what do you see just in terms of like one or two facets of his game, whether it's pressing or the overall running that he does, being in uh, in good tactical positions? There are other players in the world that kind of carry this reputation of mm-hmm. co- coaches really like him, but fans might prefer you know maybe a little bit more of a star, a more technical player, uh, someone who creates more. Uh, what what are some of the like details that you see now from a coaching point of view? It's similar to uh, Jordan Morris is similar, right? Um, they both stretch the field. They put you under pressure. I, I know I keep saying this. I sound like a broken record, but he just puts you under pressure. And he's, you know, he's playing as a right-sided winger, but he's in the middle of the box on the cross from Anthony Robinson and, and gets his head on it to finish it, right? But then he's responsible. And ultimately, as a coach, you want to know that you can trust your players. It's That is... Like that is, if there's one thing I've learned in three years, it's that you want to be able to trust your players. You know, when you put Paul Ariola on the field, you put Jordan Morris on the field, you can trust the performance you're getting out of them. Is it going to be a 10 out of 10? Probably not, but it's not going to be a five out of 10 either. You're going to get a six and a half, seven, seven and a half, seven and a half every single time. And that, I can't tell you how valuable that is. And I was just happy for him. He's, you know, he's dealt with a lot of criticism from people who are you know want everyone else to play but him and it was it was just a great moment for him everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body including those involved in hormonal balance From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So I haven't said yet that what the scenario is for World Cup qualification, in case listeners don't know, the U.S. goes to Costa Rica, plays on Wednesday. The only way the U.S. does not qualify for the World Cup on Wednesday is if Costa Rica wins that game by six or more goals. So the goal difference matters. Uh, scoring five goals tonight matters. And so U.S., I, I mean, if this had been a 1-0 game, we would be talking in a different tone, I think, heading into that game in Costa Rica. But one of my questions is, how is this game going to look? What is Costa Rica going to try and do to score six goals? Are they going to start like eight attackers? Or how's that going to look? Well, my bigger question, I mean, Witty, I just want to hear your input. Like, what do you think the U.S. lineup looks like Wednesday? What do you do if you're Greg? Well, I, I thought, first off, the, the result allowed him to manage it very well because he was able to bring Moose off at halftime. Uh, he was able to take Polisic off in the second half, Adams off in the second half. The only one they didn't get a breather was Anthony Robinson. So I'll be curious if he goes with him from the start. But yeah, I mean, I think you kind of have to assess where everyone is at physically and then go again with your best team um, just because... 
at the very least for 45 minutes, like you kind of want to get to halftime nil-nil. And I, I don't know how you approach that game in terms of tactically, are you trying to create chances or are you trying to hold on? Like, do you like put in a midfield of like Adams, James Sands, and Kellen Acosta and just have three guys that are more holding in nature? Um, but I, I think it's, again, it's who's, who's fit? And, and pick the best guys who've been playing the best right now. Um, you get probably DeAndre Yedlin back in there because he was able to rest today. Um, but Tim Weah? Right, yeah. I mean, you can you can put him back in there. You, but you start with Stefan and goal. You pick Zimmerman again. You Maybe Miles Robinson again just because they've worked so, so well as a tandem. Maybe you can stick Aaron Long in there. But, I mean, Landon, from my perspective, it's, it's the best he got. Because uh, even though you can kind of consider it maybe a game that's meaningless because of the the, the situation that, that we've laid out, um, I, I still think it's important to just make sure that you're not looking at a game that's 3-0 at halftime. You're like, oh boy, is, is, is this going to happen again? You have to put your best foot forward. Yeah, but you can – this is from the beginning of qualifying – I've said the teams who have real depth are the ones that benefit now, especially because they're three game weeks. And so Costa Rica at the end of a three game week, it will be very difficult for them with basically the same 12 or 13 players to have enough energy to, <laughs> to run up a six. Now I don't want to jinx anything, but to run up six nil against the U S is, I mean, so unlikely. So you can, you know, you can play Sands. Um, you can maybe rest Anthony Robinson. You bring Yedlin back in. You bring Weah back in. You can start Gio. Um, there's lots of, you know, you can start Jordan Morris. There's lots of ways you can do it so that you can at least get to halftime 0-0. And if you really need to bring, you know, Christian in or whoever, you can do it. But, I mean, the U.S. has, we have plenty of, of talented enough players to, to get a, a result, and by a result, I mean lose one, you know, zero, one, two, three, or four to Costa Rica and still be fine. They were talking in the post game press conference about wanting to win for the first time in a World Cup qualifier in Costa Rica. Uh, so they are at least saying that publicly. What they end up doing may be a different thing, but personally, I, I would like to see the spine of the team not change all that much. I would like to see Stefan. Zimmerman, Miles Robinson. Uh, I'd like to see Tyler Adams star. I mean, the guys that you know, who also want to be out there, yeah. by the way, because this, this is a big moment that you can qualify for a World Cup. I'd like to see Christian start this game. I'd like to see Gio start this game. Now, from a physical perspective, they talked in the postgame. I asked Greg Berhalter about the stomach bug that I, I think Fox was the first one to report this on their broadcast that players had uh, from Mexico and he didn't want to say too much to my question in the post-game press conference, but he did say that it affected 20 people from the U.S. delegation, and, and G. Arena was, was one of them. So um, who knows what the details are there, but um, it sounded like something that was a pretty serious concern over the last couple of days. I mean, haven't we all had a stomach bug coming home from Mexico <laughs> at some point? I, 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 mean. I, I, I mean, not to get too graphic, but I experienced something myself coming back from Mexico. <laughs> but, thanks, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> really, really appreciate it. Please, uh, please explain. Nah, I'm good. I'm good. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's that, I mean, that's why probably Gio Reyna only played the 45 minutes today. That was the that was the biggest shock of the starting lineup is that we didn't see yeah. Gio Reyna from the off just because he, he had a good half hour cameo in Mexico and then. It seemed like it was obvious once Weo was out that he was going to start. But second biggest shock was his haircut. 
Yeah, which I thought looked <laughs> tremendous, by the way. Well done to his barber. Or is it is it the barber David, from your David Marlanda? Yeah, checking in from, from your from your Substack story. Subscribe on Substack wherever you get Substacks, and uh, <laughs> free or paid. Free or paid, and uh, yeah. So I I thought I thought he looked fantastic tonight, but surprised that he didn't start. And uh, Landon, to your point, I, I agree with you. There are a lot of options in this team that can get this job done um, without having to play the full complement of starters. And maybe you bring them on towards the end of the game to kind of allow these players, you know, like the, the main characters, to have their moment of if indeed the U.S. qualify, which they absolutely should do. But I keep saying if um, have their moment of falling to the knee, falling to their knees while on the pitch and mm-hmm. and and celebrating this glorious moment uh, of the U.S. potentially going back to a World Cup for the first time in eight years. Did, was it cool to see Canada make it today? Did you watch for any me? Of yeah. Did you well, watch? I'm half Canadian. I know so, you are. Like, there's a source of. Uh, I know everyone thinks I'm like Mexican American and Canadian now. Um, so there was a sense of. There was a sense of pride, yeah, but I mean, doesn't compare to watching the U.S. dismantle Panama in <laughs> in, in uh, Orlando. Um, I think there's something to what you just said, though, Witty. Like the ability to be on the field when you qualify is so special. And correct me if I'm wrong, but are there any guys on this roster who have played now in a World Cup? Yedlin. Yedlin, right? Mm-hmm. And is that the only one? Um, at the top of my head, be the only one. At the top of my head, I think that's it. Yeah. But I mean, as as guys, just as a as a child, like that is what you dream of. I mean, it's, it's what you dream of. I mean, it's great to play for you know Dortmund and Chelsea and Norwich. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, it's great. <laughs> it's great to play for clubs like that. But going to the World Cup is it? It's a dream come true. It's what every young soccer player dreams of. And so to be on the field, hopefully, when that happens on Wednesday is really, really special. And, and, you know, I think everyone thinks it's a fait accompli, but watching at the end of that game will be really emotional for all of us who who were devastated when we missed out in 2018. The only other player from from that U.S. team that would still figure in current squads is John Brooks. Um, yeah. But, but every, everyone else... Um, who was there is basically kind of come and gone from their time in the national team. Hey, so. can we just, yeah, can we just take a moment? I know like Greg gets a lot of heat and it's a sign of our sport progressing, which is good that people care and they're critical and that's great. But think about what this team looked like in the first qualifier versus what we look like today and how much Greg has helped this team grow um, in all ways. And they've grown, right? But I now look at our team and I say, are we perfect? No. But can we go into a World Cup and get out of our group? I think so. Like, they're, you know, if Weston's healthy, that's a crucial piece of it. Um, but why not? I mean, Walker Zimmerman has really become, I think, a star, really. And this is a group of players, I think, who can be really competitive in a World Cup. And I'm, I'm really excited, actually, for the draw now next week. <laughs> it's going to be really exciting. And um, I think Greg just deserves, deserves a lot of credit um, for taking a really young group and helping them mature and get to this point. Totally agree with you on that. And, you know, I'm ready almost now. You know, you got one more game left in qualifying, got to finish the job. But I'm sort of looking forward to moving toward the World Cup itself. And I know it's several months away, but it's going to be really fascinating to see where this U.S. team goes from here. You hope that they're going to get 
some good friendlies, if possible. You can avoid the playoff in June against maybe some top-level teams. Well, they'll, have- they'll play in the Nations League, right? They do have that. Yeah. They do have that. But, like, I, I also want to see them in September get some good friendlies in. I want to see how this team can play against a top 10 team in the world under Greg Berhalter. He literally hasn't had that opportunity. The players have not had that opportunity since 2018, right, under Dave Sarikin. They had some some big opponents. best team they played was Switzerland away, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's kind of it. So and, and so, I, I really do want to see, because I think this U.S. team has another gear to go into, and we know how different the World Cup itself is from CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. I think they have guys who are, because of a lot of their top European club experience, I think that will help potentially even more at the World Cup than it does during CONCACAF qualifying. I think the key grant, though, is health. I think if if everyone's help, and and the reason I say that is because we don't have all due respect to everybody, we don't have a a world class number nine. Correct. We just don't. We just don't. And we have to admit that. And we have some guys who are solid. Um, we'll see how Pepe keeps progressing, Ferrer keeps progressing, but we don't have a world class number nine. And so we need Christian healthy and ninety minutes fit. We need Geo healthy and ninety. We need Weston. I mean, Weston is outside of Christian, maybe our best chance creator, just because he's so physically dominant uh, in the box when he when he gets forward. So we need everyone healthy. We need Brendan Aronson healthy to create to create goals because we don't have a nine, you know, we don't have a Lewandowski or a Luis Suarez or someone who can just take the ball and put it in the net and, and that's going to be a factor. So assuming everyone's healthy going into November in Qatar, I think we have a, a chance to be really good. But that that being said, uh, you mentioned credit going to Greg Berhalter. I think he should get a fairly big amount of credit for kind of the panic that was set in with the U.S. fan base with the amount of injuries that the U.S. entered this camp with, with Aronson out, with Dest out, with Weston McKinney probably being the biggest one with him out. That midfield has found answers. I thought Kellen Acosta played really well in Mexico, and I thought Luca De La Torre played really well tonight uh, with the different way that he approaches a similar position, um, which I think is a real credit to kind of the base system. The system is fairly clear. The principles of play are fairly clear. And yet even from within that, two vastly different players in De La Torre and Weston McKinney can operate and operate well within that system. So I'll be really curious what happens when the U.S. kind of graduates from CONCACAF and goes into playing uh, games against European competition or games that, frankly, are more normal. Um, Because I feel like that does suit them just based off of where those guys play on a club level. But you can't really know for sure. Like, do, do we think that the U.S.? is going to express themselves and play a progressive pressing style with the ball, with possession against the top teams in the world and try to go toe-to-toe because that's what Greg Berhalter has kind of been building towards for three years now in charge of the national team. And does he do it on the biggest stage or do we see the U.S. kind of enter a different dimension as at times Berhalter's Columbus Crew teams have done in big playoff scenarios where they've, you know, shut down the likes of D.C. United in playoff victories and and have not always played that, that same style in the biggest moment so uh for me it's really it's really interesting to see what a different style of play manifests in this national team i think the key is weston guys um i believe and i I, you know my guess is greg would say this too 
if we had Weston at the Azteca the other night, we win the game. Like, I think he finds a way to help us score a goal in some way. And, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but it's it was my frustration early on when he made some poor off-the-field decisions is that this didn't have to be this dicey. I think we win that Canada game if Weston's there. I really do believe that. He's so valuable in so many ways. And I think he's the key. He is... Um, he is a world-class player. When 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 you watch him play, uh, he is a world-class player, and he's entering, if not already, in his prime. So if he is healthy and playing well, it takes us to a whole different level that we can really compete in a World Cup in a real way. On that note, guys, I'm going to sign off. Um, thank you for doing this. As always, I am looking forward to doing this again on Wednesday night. One thinks after the U.S. is qualified for the World Cup. Ooh, that'll be nice. I'm going to have a nice, nice whiskey that night, guys. Ooh. You too, Witty? Yeah, why not? On a Wednesday Let's night? We'll, we'll, we'll crack something open. Can you do it on a Wednesday night in San Jose? <laughs> we'll see. The funniest thing, by the way, somebody told me connected to the team that, you know, if there's a celebration moment of qualifying for the World Cup and, you know, they have a beer sponsor, so they'll have a, a brand they can't shoot video of they have that they have underage players who aren't allowed but what about in costa rica isn't it legal there we may have to do some we have to do some research into the drinking age in costa rica (laughs) i mean well the drinking age is probably 18 so that's legal there operation get geobrena a beer (laughs) <laughs> I, I i have to get beer out of the jacket and shirt that i'm wearing because i was in the outlaw section tonight and there's an extraordinary amount of beer on my clothes i smell horrendous by the way legal drinking age in costa rica 18 hey let's get geo reina beer let's go let's, let's create that hashtag get geo a beer good night guys thank you all right guys thanks